Hello, and welcome to The Therapist Mindset. I'm your host, Jamie Bonayudo, licensed professional counselor, licensed alcohol and drug counselor, registered yoga instructor, and Reiki master. The Therapist Mindset brings you evidence-based therapies with a spiritual backbone. Through mindfulness, we grow and change. I'm so glad that you can be here with me today. I can't believe this is our 45th episode. Wow, my heart is so full. If you want to continue to support The Therapist Mindset, please give us a five-star review, a follow, and a share. The more we share, the more people will find The Therapist Mindset when they search for podcasts on whatever platform they use, like Spotify. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now let's get started. All right, friends, today we are talking about enabling. A lot of people don't really know a lot about enabling. We don't talk about it a lot. So let's define it. What is enabling? According to the American Psychological Association, enabling is patterns within relationships that support any harmful or problematic behavior and make it easier for that behavior to continue. So let's break it down. The APA, or American Psychological Association, says that enabling happens within relationships, and it's a pattern. So the enabler has a pattern within their relationships that they support harmful or problematic behavior in someone else. So this isn't like a one-time deal. This isn't that you're supporting harmful or problematic behavior like one time. This is something that's a pattern. It goes on and it might generalize into multiple relationships. For example, you might enable your partner and you had a history or maybe still do enable a parent or a child. Furthermore, the enabling makes it easier for that behavior to continue. So the enabler makes it easier for the problematic behavior to just go on, to continue. So some common enabling behaviors are like ignoring an addict behavior, taking responsibilities for the person, like doing things that they can and should do themselves, and prioritizing their needs over your own. So I wanted to dive deeper into this enabling. According to psychcentral.com, here are some common signs to see if you're an enabler. And they're not in any order, but the first one is you make excuses as a way to protect them. You justify the behaviors to others and this enabling behavior prevents them from facing the natural consequences of their actions, therefore, It's not protecting them. It's actually harmful for them because it perpetuates the problematic behavior and allows it to continue. So for example, and I'll pull from personal experience, we justify or make excuses for a problematic behavior such as addiction in order to protect them from the consequences. So for example, if you're making an excuse for why somebody isn't at work, you may justify them calling out of work, saying that they're sick when possibly they're really hung over. And that 
contributes to them not getting in trouble at work and keeping their job, right? So if people don't have the natural consequences that come with behavior or taking responsibility for their behavior, they're not likely to change. So if you make an excuse for them every time they don't show up for work because you're going to call their boss, for example, and I've done this, called out for a grown person, for an adult, called the boss and tell them they're not coming, not because they, you know, because they have a stomach bug or food poisoning, but in reality, it's because of some sort of addiction, some sort of sickness that had to do with substance use. So if you keep doing that, they never suffer the consequences themselves and the behavior continues and usually gets worse. So you're protecting them from the consequences of their own behavior. The second one listed is ignoring your own needs. You spend the majority of the time focused on the needs of others. This is huge in codependent relationships and codependency and enabling go hand in hand. Enabling is a trait, in fact, of codependency. So you put your own needs aside and you put all your time and energy into focusing on them. What do they need? How can I help them? What, what do they need from me? Taking on their responsibilities and they're, one, not asking you to do that. Sometimes they are, but typically no. And two, they're not usually grateful. And three, it's not reciprocated. They do not do for you as you do for them. The third one is a biggie, avoiding conflict. You rather avoid the conflict so you don't set the boundaries. You pretend that the problem doesn't exist. You turn a blind eye. You may even be hesitant to bring it up or set a boundary because you're fearing their reaction. And in a lot of domestic violence cases, that's a legitimate fear. So you have to make sure you have supports and a safety plan in place but let's just say this isn't a domestic violence situation. Enablers will not set a boundary because they don't want to deal with the conflict. They don't want to um, have someone blow up on them verbally because they set a boundary. And narcissists are famous for this. They will evade responsibility. They will blame shift. They will push the focus onto you bringing up their behavior, accusing you of judging them, accusing you of not supporting them, when really you're setting a healthy and appropriate boundary. Again, I'll pull from my own history because I have a long history of, of enabling and codependency. So for example, illicit substances in the house. If you set a boundary, an appropriate and healthy boundary, that drugs cannot be in the house. There's children, there's animals, there's whatever. Drugs aren't allowed in the house. Substances aren't allowed in the house. And instead of that person saying, you're absolutely right, I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I was so careless or I can't believe I risk our child, our family by bringing this in the house. The person says, well, what what you think you're better than me? Why are you always bringing up my problems? You're so judgmental. You think you're perfect. Or they say, oh, you're making a big deal out of it. And 
shift the focus onto you, blaming you for really not, you didn't do anything wrong. You set an appropriate boundary. So in a lot of times people are conditioned to avoid conflict, avoid setting the boundaries because they know when they do, this is going to be the response. So you turn a blind eye, you begin to shut your mouth and not say anything and pretend that it doesn't exist. And, and what does that do? That allows the behavior to continue. The fourth thing was taking more responsibility, being responsible for things they can and should be doing themselves. So doing their shopping for them, going to city hall and paying their taxes for them, uh, calling their boss and telling them they're sick. These are things that they can and should, they're capable of doing it themselves, but you take on that responsibility for them. And the fifth one that's listed and what it all culminates to is resentment. So if you feel resentment in your relationship, then you probably are enabling in some way. Your efforts aren't appreciated. It's not reciprocated. And that might be true. But the resentment is the red flag that this might be enabling. So how did we get here? How did we become enablers? I don't think we were born that way. Tiny, tiny kids, little toddlers very clearly say what they want. Even, you know, my 12-year-old, and although (laughs) I get annoyed at times, I know that I'm not raising an enabler because she will clearly tell me what is my responsibility versus hers when I ask her to do something that she doesn't think is her responsibility. Very vocal. So how did we get here? In most cases, enabling starts off as someone trying to support or help a loved one. So in most cases, we don't go out there saying we're going to enable this person and allow them to continue to drink. We're not gonna go out there and say, oh, we're gonna just take on all their responsibilities and allow them to not work and do it for them. We don't start out like that. It starts off as someone trying to support a loved one. This is why people in the helping profession are so vulnerable to codependent relationships and enabling. Typically, we're, we have the tools to help someone. We have the tools to support someone. Oftentimes, it's what we do for a living and we're very good at it. So we don't start out with the goal of enabling this person and allowing the problematic behavior to continue. The initial intention is usually to help them, to help support them resolve the problematic behavior, resolve the problem, the addiction, and get help. But that soon turns into enabling and rescuing. Enabling is usually a part of codependency, like I said, and codependency is rooted in childhood experiences, usually relationships with parents or caregivers. That could include a history of abuse or neglect. It can include an inattentive or inconsistent parent, such as parents who were not there. And that could not be any you know, purposeful, emotional, or inconsistent 
behavior on the part of the parents. It could be that the parent had to work two jobs or the parent was in the military or the parent had an illness, um, a medical illness or a psychiatric illness where they just weren't capable of being, being there for you. So how do we stop enabling? One, if you have therapy resources available, get a therapist, call your insurance company, go online, um, psychology today, put in your zip code, they'll give you a list of providers. But working with a therapist can help get to the root of the problem, heal these child and adolescent wounds, heal these trauma wounds, and that will help you to cease the enabling behavior. But aside from working with a licensed therapist, acknowledging the problem, acknowledging, saying to yourself, owning it, that the enabling behavior is not helping. So asking yourself, what is the root cause? What were my childhood experiences? Maybe journaling and reflecting on them. Reflecting on what coping skills you learned in childhood that helped you to get your needs met. So that might have been begging and chasing love that might have been working harder to prove yourself for the attention of a parent. Also, when making decisions, ask yourself some of these things. Does what I'm doing, does the enabling behavior, like calling out of work for them, does that help the problematic behavior continue? Does that help them evade responsibility? Does that help them get out of facing the natural consequences of their behavior? If the answer is yes, then you have to ask yourself, do I want to continue enabling? Does covering for them allow the behaviors to continue? Does avoiding conflict make the situation better? So that's a big one. Again, if you're fearing for your safety, if there's domestic violence, then this, you know, you might not want to set a boundary and have conflict. It might legitimately not be safe for you but does avoiding the conflict does not setting that boundary make the situation better oftentimes again aside from safety concerns with domestic violence oftentimes not setting that boundary does not make the behavior any better so again for example i turned a blind eye i did not set a boundary i did not want to deal with the conflict I pretended that this wasn't happening and sooner or later there's car accident. You know, the person was knotted out at the wheel. So, I mean, luckily nobody other than that person was injured and that person wasn't even all that injured. So luckily there wasn't dire consequences, but did me not setting the boundary make the situation better? No. Had I set the boundary they might have still done the same things, but I would have felt better about my my role in the relationship. Does taking care of their responsibilities help them or hinder them? And that's a big one too. So ask yourself, is me doing this for them? Can they, are they capable of doing it themselves? And should they be doing it themselves? Like, should they be doing their shopping themselves or should they be going and paying their taxes themselves instead of me running around to city hall or something like that if they are capable then they can and should do it themselves 
And this is an adult we're talking about, not a minor child. So that's a little different if there's kids. And does me... This is the last question. Does taking care of their responsibilities give them more time to engage in the self-destructive behavior? So that's another one. Is it while you're running around taking on responsibilities that they can and should be doing themselves, are they going to get substances or participating in substance use or gambling or alcohol use while you're doing that for them? So what do we do about it? In addition to therapy, learn to set boundaries, be a boundary boss, learn to set clear boundaries and stand your ground because if they're not accustomed to you setting boundaries, they're certainly not going to respect your boundaries, not initially anyway, and maybe not ever. For me, the when I learned to set boundaries, that person just left, which although painful, the most painful experience I ever went through, it was necessary because the only way to keep that relationship was for me to continue enabling and I wasn't going to live like that anymore. And then in addition to boundary setting, engage in empowering behaviors instead of enabling behaviors. So instead of enabling them, empower them to get through it themselves. So teach them the tools. And again, they might not be a willing participant. In my personal history, that person was not a willing participant. You could, but for example, trying to give them to tool, the tools to learn how to budget their money instead of just doing it for them. That would be a way to empower somebody. Teach them the tools show them how to do it so they can do it themselves. I hope this is helpful. Again, the resources were from psychcentral.com and the American Psychological Association. And Codependent No More by Melody Beattie is one of the best books on the subject. Uh, I've read it several times. Every time it was revised, I've read it. It is a classic. It never gets old. Highly recommend it. Thank you so much for being here. I am so grateful. Please continue to support this podcast by giving us a five-star review, a follow, and a share. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Namaste.